Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, hello and welcome. I'm Lyle Shelton. It's great to have your company. It's fantastic to be on this platform of ADH TV where we can say the things that mainstream media can't or won't say. We can discuss things freely. Now, lots to get through today. Uh, in a moment, I'll be speaking with the West Australian Liberal parliamentarian, Nick Goyran, about Labor's moves to modernise abortion laws. That's always code for killing more unborn babies and wounding their mothers. We'll also talk about the WA Premier, Roger Cook's backflip on Indigenous heritage laws. Was he genuine after the public outcry caused support for The Voice to tank, or was he pushed to save Anthony Albanese's referendum? Joining me from Melbourne will be Family First's newly minted Victorian Senate candidate, Bernie Finn. The expelled Liberal parliamentarian and veteran of the Victorian Parliament wants to take his passion for the well-being of families and children to Canberra. And can I just say that Family First is very glad to have him on board. As usual, I'll speak with Kiralee Smith from Binary and we'll chat about the latest in the LGBTIQA plus political movement's pernicious war against girls, women and children, including why Peter Dutton's Senate leadership team refused to back Pauline Hanson's inquiry into the harms being caused to children by Australia's child gender clinics. Is the Liberal Party running a protection racket for the experimentation of children? All that and more, don't touch that dial. But first, in the past week, there have been more contradictions from the Yes campaign for changing the constitution to entrench a permanent racially based voice committee into the constitution. Now, despite committing to the Uluru Statement from the Heart in full, which is a package deal of voice, so-called truth-telling and treaty, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has been denying that the referendum will lead to a treaty. This isn't about a treaty, Ben. But there are three parts of the Uluru is, Statement. Yeah, and this is not... So you're talking about the voice. This is not about a treaty. But as part of treaty, which we this guess will be... A following step. This is not about a Do treaty. Do you foresee that compensation would be This paid? is not about a treaty. This isn't about that. But the Yes campaign just doesn't seem to get the Prime Minister's memo. Even his own Labor colleagues have not got the memo. His government member, the Labor Senator, Malandiri McCarthy, on the ABC's Q&A this week up at the Gama Festival. Well, the Prime Minister said on the night, Dan, uh, when we won the election, that we would follow through with the Uluru Statement from the Heart in full, voice, treaty, truth. So, who is right? The Prime Minister on Sydney Radio or Malandiri McCarthy at Gama? 
I've said before that truth-telling needs to start with the Albanese government and the Yes campaign. It's clear the voice referendum is using trickery to achieve so-called truth and treaty. Speaking of having trouble with the truth, the Indigenous Affairs Minister Linda Burney has become a sad figure in the parliament, unable or unwilling to answer basic questions. Last year, the government announced $5.8 million for an independent Makarata Commission. Does the government still support this commission and exactly what will it do? The 2023 referendum is about constitutional recognition through a voice. Australians will be asked a simple question. Do you support a change to the Constitution to recognise the First Peoples of Australia? Order. On relevance, this was a very tight question. It went to one issue and one issue only. Members of The Voice will be chosen by Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in their local areas and serve for a sixth period. It is about recognition and it's about listening. Now, if only it was that simple and if only what she was saying was true. Freedom of Information has revealed that the full Uluru Statement from the Heart is not the one-page document the Prime Minister says it is. It is actually somewhere around 26 pages. These pages contain a grab bag of radical activist demands, including that reparations be paid. They also include revelations of demands for flash offices for the Voice Committee to be built in the Parliamentary Triangle in Canberra near Parliament House, some of Australia's most sought after real estate. This is despite and on top of the $30 billion per year, and I've seen figures this week as high as $40 billion per year, spent on Indigenous programs which are failing to lift the 20 to 30% of Indigenous people that sadly live in squalor. And it is despite the $4.5 billion dollar budget, that's $4.5 billion with a B, and the 1,400 staff of the National Indigenous Advisory Agency, which is already tasked with being a voice for Indigenous people. Now, the NIAA uh, is something that most Australians know very little about. Uh, it's actually already a voice that exists. Here is what the NIAA's homepage says. Quote, the National Indigenous Australians Agency, NIAA, vision is to, is to ensure Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples are heard, recognised and empowered, end quote. So why do we need another voice with officers in the parliamentary triangle on top of the $4.5 billion bureaucracy that already exists? No one can answer these questions, but if you ask them, you are called a conspiracy theorist, a misinformation peddler, and it's implied, if not said, that you are a racist. Now, this is no way to win over mainstream Australia. There's a long way to go before this referendum, which is likely to be held in October, but certainly before December. The Yes campaign, which has treaty, reparations, advocate, and self-declared communist, Thomas Mayo, on its board, has a war chest of $50 million. That's right up there in the league of American campaign spending. It's a lot of money. It's quite bizarre that a communist is helping to run a campaign 
to change Australia's constitution. Communist regimes have murdered more of their own citizens than any other political system in the history of humanity. Having this ideology at the heart of the voice is deeply unsettling. Either Mayo and the Yes campaign are extremely naive and know nothing of history, or there is something malevolent in their intent. Now, I think it's the former, but flirting with Marxist ideology is playing with fire, and that's because ideas have consequences. The ideas behind the voice, sovereignty, separate nation within a nation, delegitimizing our British founding, reparations on top of the $40 billion a year that we're already paying to indigenous people, etc., etc., will all have big consequences for this nation, especially if they are entrenched in the constitution where they will be almost impossible to remove. Despite the polls showing the public turning away from the voice, there is still a long way to go. The risk is that a disengaged a cohort of voters, which let's face it, is most Australians, that they will be swayed by the big advertising spend that's coming down the road. There is no room for complacency when it comes to the voice. Now, another of the big issues dominating the politics of this past week is the fallout from the Brittany Higgins rape allegations. I was surprised, uh, pleasantly, to see the Bible referenced. Despite regular assertions we are in a post-Christian world, society keeps finding ways to circle back to our roots. Now, this should not surprise as a ship untethered from its moorings will crash and people will then seek answers. The ongoing train wreck that is the fallout, the legal fallout from the Higgins saga, is a case in point. The head of the ACT's Department of Public Prosecutions, Shane Drumgold, looks to have perverted the course of justice by binning the presumption of innocence. It doesn't get more serious uh, as a fair trial cannot occur without this presumption. It is a bedrock of any civil society. Now, in the search for answers as to what went wrong in the prosecution of Bruce Lerman, the ACT government commissioned an inquiry headed by King's counsel, Walter Sofronov, a very eminent lawyer. The Australian's Janet Albrechtson obtained a leaked copy of his 600-page report, which the ACT government was not keen to make public. And uh, in that report, um, the following was revealed, and this is how Janet Albrechtson describes it. I'll quote, Mr. Sovereignoff said he was deeply disturbed by Mr. Drumgold's ignorance of ethical principles and accused him of pilot-like detachment, invoking the moment Pontius Pilate washed his hands of Jesus' fate, letting the mob decide who should be crucified. Now, the Bible is the basis for the Western legal system, a system designed to protect citizens from injustice. Sofronov is essentially saying that Drumgold departed from the ethical principles the Bible bequeathed us. Now, I'm deeply concerned by politicians increasing ignorance of ethical principles and basic concepts such as the presumption of innocent. I think there's a correlation with the lack of biblical literacy in our society. Uh, there is a rush to judge these days because virtue signaling has become something people prize instead of investigating the facts. While Family First, uh, the party I have the privilege of working for, is a political party for Australians of all faiths and none, it is ashamedly, unashamedly uh, ha has at the core of its non-negotiable values the promotion of the Judeo-Christian ethic. Without this ethic, things collapse, as the ACT's Department of Public Prosecutions has discovered at great cost and embarrassment. 
This ethic is now absent from our politics. Lies are underpinning our energy transition. Lies underpin the gender transition of children. Lies underpin the medical ethics of abortion and euthanasia and the very definition of family. We are, as a society, unmoored. unmoored. Unhinged is probably a better description. It is why we need a political party that will unashamedly promote the Judeo-Christian ethic in the political discourse. Sovereignoff's reference to the Bible amid one of our biggest ethical scandals shows us from where we can again find our moorings. Well, the Western Australian Labor government is modernising its abortion laws with the Abortion Legislation Reform Bill 2023 before the parliament. Now, modernising is, of course, a euphemism that will lead to more unborn babies being killed and mothers being harmed. WA is the last state to remove abortion from its criminal code. Most of the eastern states have done this, starting with Victoria's abortion to birth laws back in 2008, which became the model that most of the other states have followed. Uh, the last state before WA to modernise its abortion legislation was South Australia under the then Liberal government of Stephen Marshall in 2021. And of course, that was the catalyst for the reformation of the Family First Party, uh, seeing a Liberal government hold the gate open for abortion to birth. Uh, by by this time, um, when the South Australian legislation was passed, the pro-life movement was more organised and it, it was able to gain uh, some very important concessions against the run of play. Now, these included, one, mandated medical care for babies born alive after failed abortions. Two, a ban on sex selection abortions, uh, something which involves the killing of unborn babies because they are girls, something which is sadly favoured by some ethnic communities. Uh, three, a requirement for women to receive information on counselling services before a doctor is allowed to kill their unborn baby. And four, mandatory considerations to be taken into account before late-term abortions. Now, a petition has been tabled in the WA Parliament calling for similar protections for unborn babies and their mothers so that the, uh, the bill that's before the Parliament could be amended to accommodate these concessions and some others. Joining me now to discuss the debate on human rights for the unborn babies and their mothers in WA is Upper House member Nick Goran. Nick, thanks so much for joining me. It's good to be with you, Lyle, um, albeit it's uh, regrettable that we need to be discussing this distressing topic. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I appreciate your courage in in uh, not shying away from this because it does need uh, the public spotlight on it. Um, your health minister, Amber Jade Sanderson, I was very angry about uh, the petition that I just mentioned, which was tabled in the parliament. Uh, she told the West Australian newspaper, there's no such thing as a failed abortion. There's no such thing as babies born alive after a failed abortion, end quote. Nick, uh, is she right? Well, she's um, manifestly wrong. And uh, it's actually outrageous that this comment has been made uh, by the health minister in Western Australia. More than 10 years ago, one of her former Labor parliamentary colleagues, the Honourable Ed Derma, was the first to discover that such a thing happens. And at that time, there had been 14 Western Australian babies uh, born alive and left to die. Every year since then, I have been asking questions in parliament about this. 
And the most recent answer indicates that that number has now risen to 31 in Western Australia. Now, I know those numbers are perhaps considered to be small compared to some of the astronomical numbers in the, on the East Coast, but every baby who's born alive and left to die is a tragedy in Western Australia, and there's nothing modern about allowing that to continue. No, absolutely not, um, Nick. And look, uh, some of our viewers will know this, but probably most people won't, that the reason why we have a bill in the federal parliament now uh, put forward by Senator Matt Canavan and uh, Senator Ralph Babette and uh, I believe Senator Jared Rennick is because of the work that you and uh, your colleague over in the East, uh, Mark Robinson in the Queensland Parliament, did in first exposing this issue of babies born alive after botched abortion. So mm. it's it's your work over more than a decade and Mark Robinson's that's led to this spotlight in the federal parliament. So, so I want to commend you for that. Um, Nick, I understand um, that the the bill uh, that's before your parliament right now, the um, uh, the the abortion bill, uh, will allow abortions for any reason up to 23 weeks. What's their rationale for making 23 weeks the dividing line between whether a baby gets to live or die? Well, it's an excellent question, uh, Lyle, actually, because at the moment in Western Australia, and it has been since 1998, for the last 25 years, there's been an unlimited capacity to have an abortion up to 20 weeks. As you say, this bill then seeks to lift it to 23 weeks. And whilst the debate is currently in the lower house, rest assured that when the bill gets to the upper house, I will be asking precisely that question because why would 23 weeks be the so-called new threshold? Why not 33 weeks? I mean, would would the uh, ordinary, uh, fair-minded Western Australian recoil at the idea of the limit being 33 weeks? If so, they should ask themselves why. What might we find to be uh, unpalatable about 33 weeks? Well, surely those same reasons apply at 23 weeks. Now, Lyle, we had a briefing from the Health Minister's office on this. Parliamentarians were offered the opportunity on Monday this week, and it was very interesting to note that at that briefing, uh, a member of Parliament asked, what is the survival rate at 23 weeks? And the response came back to say, nil. One word back to say, nil. Now, yesterday in Parliament, I've asked the Health Minister uh, have there been any Western Australian babies born alive at 25 weeks? The answer was yes. Any at 24 weeks? Yes. Any at 23 weeks? Yes. Any at 22 weeks? Yes. So what really concerns me about this is that the health minister says we need to have a respectful debate. Well, there's no respect if there's uh, deliberate misinformation being bandied around by the health minister and her advisors. Yeah, that's truly shocking, Nick, because this is a life and death issue. And uh, we know that uh, modern neonatal care, babies as young as 21 weeks uh, survive and are cared for in our hospitals, and yet they can be killed up to 23 weeks uh, in another part of the hospital. But it, it's not just at 23 weeks where the killing stops, as I understand it, and perhaps you can clarify this, because I know that the legislation passed in the eastern states allowed abortion all the way up to birth, um, so long as, um, and again, for no, for no, you know, reason, um, you can have a healthy mother and a healthy baby. But the only stipulation in the eastern states legislation was that two doctors um, just, uh, you know, give a tick and a flick on the abortion. Is is that what is that what is being proposed under your legislation as well? Post twenty three weeks. Yes, I mean that that essentially that's right. At the moment, after twenty weeks, 
an abortion can take place in Western Australia, but two doctors must agree. But it can't be any two doctors. The Health Minister of the day appoints a, a six doctors to a panel. No person appears before a panel. I mean, yet again, we had misinformation uh, about this in the last 12 months in Western Australia. We had Marie Stopes International running around saying that Western Australian uh, mothers uh, were traumatised about having to face the panel. No Western Australian faces any such panel. There is a panel that's appointed and two such doctors have to say yes or no in respect to any application post 20 weeks. Uh, once again, that needed to be corrected on the parliamentary record. I cannot believe the amount of misinformation that goes on in this, as you say, highly contentious debate. People across the nation have strong views one way or the other, but we've got to start with a respectful debate, including true, genuine, authentic information, not outright fabrications. Yep. Now, Lyle, the, this particular bill will allow in future there to be any two doctors mm. to be able to approve post 23 weeks. And one of the troubling elements for me in this bill is that it would actually allow an interstate doctor to be one of the two doctors. I mean, that's completely uh, over the top. I can't see why you wouldn't be able to have two doctors in Western Australia. I mean, that said, I mean, my opinion on this is well on the record. We really should be protecting life from conception. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you're saying, and again, this is similar to the East, um, it doesn't have that one of the doctors doesn't even have to be a doctor that even knows uh, the, the woman who's seeking the abortion. Um, so very similar to what's going on around the nation. Um, I, I also understand there's another really disturbing provision uh, in your bill, and uh, that's one that allows girls under 16 to have abortions without their parents' consent. Here's your health minister, Am Amber Jade Sanderson, on this issue. This is about women knowing what is the best for them, having the discussion with the health practitioner and that decision being between them and them alone. Now, in other words, everyone else should butt out, including the father and including and especially the parents who are the grandparents of the child that is uh, possibly about to be killed. Um, Nick, why do abortion advocates seek to divide children and parents and take away parents' rights? Well, once again, on contentious issues and on difficult issues, we must always fall back to first principles. And one of the important principles here is that of informed consent. Now, in order for there to be informed consent, a person must have capacity. This is a very important legal concept that applies across our laws. Now, why would we suddenly ditch that important principle when it comes to a, a minor that is a person under the age of 18, and in fact here, somebody under the age of 16. Now, very interestingly, again, at this briefing that I attended earlier in the week, the clinicians were very quick to say, oh, but we definitely would want to involve the parents if the uh, patient was somebody 13 years or younger. Uh, now, again, that raises the question, well, why is that not in the legislation? Uh, because it certainly isn't. And secondly, why do we now magically invent this uh, at this arbitrary age of 13. Uh, I think that at that point, anyone under the age of 16, there needs to be very uh, careful, supported decision-making, uh, not substitute decision-making. I can understand that the difficulties there. But again, Lyle, when this gets to the upper house, we're going to have to ask the questions on all of this because at the moment we've got a misinformation campaign being deliberately perpetuated by the health minister.
Yeah. Now, it, it seems extraordinary to me, Nick, um, given that, you know, your party, the Liberals, um, only have a rump left in the WA Parliament after the last electoral wipe, wipeout under Jack Kirkhap. Um, the, the media, though, is obsessed uh, with your involvement and concern about this issue. You make headlines all the time. Um, what, why is this so? Uh, I mean, you can't stop the legislation as much as you valiantly fight, but the media keeps shining a spotlight on the fact that you are at least putting up some opposition. Are you inside their minds not paying any rent, Nick Goyran? Well, it would appear so. Uh, it would appear so, Lyle. I mean, it's completely over the top. I, I, if I tried to identify the cause... Uh, it, it most probably, and I think reasonably, goes back to the 2019 debate that we had on a completely different topic uh, with regard to surrogacy. Mm. Um, and again, people will have strong views about that one way or the other. Uh, I spoke for a record 22 hours on that particular bill. Now, again, people might say that that's, that in itself is over the top. But the context was that the government were hiding a taxpayer-funded uh, report to the tune of $225,000 a so-called expert in this area. And my simple point was I'm not going to stop talking until such time as they release that report. Now, long story short, uh, Lyle, in the end, it took that for the government to actually release the report. The report was highly relevant. It went off to a parliamentary committee and lo and behold, the bill never saw the light of day after that because it was going to ironically create discrimination against women. Uh, and so it's that particular episode that then has started a media campaign falsely saying that, you know, I constantly filibuster. Yeah, OK, I did it once. And, and that was the context. Mm. Well, well, good on you, Nick, because, you know, that issue of surrogacy is it's another issue of the rights of, of children and, and the rights of women, of course, which are the abortion issue goes to. Um, you've been consistent standing up on those things. So um, uh, it, it, it is extraordinary, um, but at least there's some resistance over there. And, you know, we wish you well as this uh, abortion legislation progresses. Um, Nick, I can't let you go without asking about another big issue that's dominated uh, WA politics and, and national politics over this past week or so. Your Premier, Roger Cook, has done an incredible backflip on Labor's Indigenous heritage laws after a massive public outcry, particularly from farmers who were losing their property rights. Was this a genuine case of Roger Cook listening to community concern uh, or, or was this a case of this was hurting the voice referendum and he was tapped on the shoulder by Anthony Albanese's office? What's your opinion? Well, I asked uh, the, the Premier about this in part earlier this week in parliamentary question time through the upper house process. Uh, he said it was the day before uh, that was the first time he'd ever had a conversation with the Prime Minister about that. Now, he said that on the parliamentary record, so I take that to be a, an accurate and truthful recollection of events on behalf of the Premier. But that said, Lyle, it is an extraordinary uh, set of circumstances, and this is a Premier who only a few weeks ago, when those of us who raised concerns about this, uh, we were labelled as racists, we were, we were labelled as dog whistlers, we were labelled as uh, dogs re reverting or returning to our vomit. These were the comments of a supposedly statesmanlike Premier of Western Australia. We were vilified relentlessly by him and his senior colleagues. And now many weeks later, the people of Western Australia have spoken and it's a great win for democracy. And I hope that for your um, viewers, uh, it does give people hope uh, that in our uh, modern parliamentary democracy, 
it's worth having your say and it's worth participating because you can make a difference. Yeah, well, that's right, Nick. And, and even though you have very small numbers in the WA Parliament, uh, you're certainly getting under their skin. Um, I think this episode shows that um, you are able to um, force uh, the withdrawal of that legislation um, and the, the public campaign, of course, um, that you're a part of. But if uh, the voice is entrenched in the Constitution, what happens if we get things wrong, as Roger Cook has said, with regard to the Indigenous heritage legislation? He, he says, we got it wrong. But if we get the voice wrong, we're stuck with it, aren't we? Well, as the 28th Prime Minister of Australia, the Honourable Tony Abbott, has said a few times, this is a forever change and people should be under no illusion. It has been a shambolic debacle in Western Australia, the rollout of the new Aboriginal cultural heritage laws. It took a massive campaign to get the government to back down, and that will now change by virtue of a vote in the Western Australian Parliament, and I'm pleased to say that there is now a bill that's presently before the lower house. But that can't be done if we enshrine a voice in the Australian constitution. It won't be a simple vote of Parliament to do a U-turn and do a, do a back down if it is a shambolic rollout of that. So people need to be very, very careful. And that's why in Western Australia, I've pleaded with the former Premier, Mr McGowan, to release the advice that he's received. He refused. I've done the same with the replacement Premier, Mr Cook. He's also refused. Uh, and that concerns me. People, again, are entitled to have the information by government in a transparent way before they make their decision as to whether to vote yes or no. I'm certainly voting no, and I suspect that most Western Australians will. Yeah, good on you, Nick. Well, look, I'm, I'm sure my audience uh, here at ADH TV will agree with me that uh, your calm, rational advocacy uh, is not in vain. And uh, you've shown us today how it does make a difference on the life front and on this important issue of whether Australia becomes racially divided through the voice. Uh, Nick Goran, really appreciate your time here today. Pleasure to be with you, Lyle. Thanks very much. Well, Bernie Finn was a Liberal member of the Victorian Parliament for more than 23 years. A committed pro-lifer, he was expelled from the Liberal Party last year for his views on human rights for unborn babies. He joined the socially conservative Democratic Labor Party and contested his old Western Metropolitan Upper House District at last year's state election, only narrowly missing out. Late last week, Family First, the party I have the privilege of serving as National Director, pre-selected Bernie as the lead Senate candidate for Victoria. And I have to say, we're delighted to have Bernie on board. He joins me now. Bernie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lyle. And I've got to say, I am absolutely thrilled to be on board as well. Well, it, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, now, Bernie, after such a long and successful parliamentary career, why is the quiet life not for you? Oh, look, there is so much to be done. And, I, and I've and i tried the quiet life uh, for this year. And um, it, it, you're right, it is not for me. Um, I, I just get so fired up about uh, so many issues. There is so much going on in this country at the moment that needs fixing. Uh, and, uh, you know, families and the way they're being treated by government is certainly uh, um, very high on my list of priorities. Uh, and uh, I, I just can't sit back and see... Um, well, babies being killed in their thousands and, and not do anything about it. That, that to my way of thinking, um, 
uh, is is criminal. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, and this is um, something you've been fighting for a long time. You uh, fought Daniel Andrews, who was health minister in the state of Victoria, introduced Australia's first abortion to birth laws. And, and that's now become the template which most other states have followed. Why, mm. is, why do you think, Bernie, that the issue of human rights for the unborn is, is so important? And why must it have advocates like yourself? Well, the babies can't speak for themselves. This is the thing. I mean, they are totally innocent. They are totally um, at our mercy, um, if you will. And uh, there are people around who um, have totally taken advantage of that. I mean, I've often thought to myself, how do people get up in the morning, um, have a shower, brush their teeth, put on a coat, go and kill babies for the day, and then go back home and, and have dinner at night. Uh, how do people do that? That that totally mystifies me. Uh, and uh, I, I all I want to do, uh, I don't want to tell people how to live their lives. I just want to let people live their lives. I want to let those children live their lives. And uh, I, I think that is a, a very reasonable and, and um, uh, uh, you know, honourable thing, if you like, uh, to, yeah. to do. Uh, you know, we, we have a, an obligation, we have a responsibility to protect those who cannot protect themselves. Yeah, no. And certainly in the, in the abortion case, um, or the case of abortion, we, we certainly uh, have... Um, uh, Strong grounds for that. We, we absolutely have. And, um, we, you know, we've become very desensitised as a society. As you rightly said, people go through their day and, and commit this stuff in hospitals and clinics all over the nation and particularly Victoria. But you've done something about it to try and keep this in the public eye, despite, you know, that terrible political loss back in 2008. You started the annual March for Babies in Melbourne, which uh, attracts around 3,000 people a year. It's uh, mm-hmm. one of the biggest, if not the biggest, um, pro-life event in the country. Here's some footage of last year's event. We are also here to reach out to their mothers because we know there are a lot of abortions occur against the will of mothers. People talk about choice but the most common response when asked why somebody has had an abortion is I had no choice. It's quite ridiculous. It's quite ridiculous. And thousands and thousands of women are still suffering. Thousands and thousands of women are still suffering. Well, here we are, talking about women, talking about women suffering, and this crowd jump up. That was quite a scary moment there. I was in the crowd and saw that happened. Um, it was quite shocking. Uh, Bernie, what would happen if you or I jumped up onto the stage of a pro-abortion rally? Uh, well, I think we'd probably be ripped to pieces to start with, but uh, the police would step in, we'd be arrested and, uh, and taken away. Uh, there's no two ways about that. But there, there does seem to be a, a double standard, um, and we, we saw that uh, about 10 years ago, in fact, when uh, the march was attacked uh, by... Uh, well, rat bags, I, I think I would describe them as, and, and very violent rat bags. And there were people who had uh, ribs broken. There were people who had um, uh, various abrasions and, and bruises. And, and even my daughter was hit um, by uh, by these uh, these lunatics. Uh, and, um, you know, the police st- stood back and watched. And, and, you know, fortunately, that hasn't happened since. But... Um, uh, there, there still remains, uh, for example, at the moment, we're trying to contact the police. They won't return our calls. 
So, uh, you know, Victoria is a very, very strange place right now. It's certainly not, certainly not the place that I grew up in. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think that's very, very sad. Well, that's why it's important that events like the March for the Babies continue just to keep the, the public space open so that we yes. are not intimidated into silence by people who will resort to the sort of violence that we just saw in that footage. Bernie, um, why is um, the Liberal Party, your old party, and, you know, this goes to, I guess, the reason why you and I find ourselves, you know, in a centre-right minor party. Why is the Liberal Party so hostile to pro-family and pro-life people such as yourself and Moira Deeming, who was also expelled from the Parliamentary Party earlier this year? Well, that's a very good question. I, I, quite, I don't quite understand it, uh, to tell you the truth, because, uh, you know, up, up until last year, uh, it was accepted. My, my view was accepted. Uh, that people didn't necessarily agree with it, but, uh, you know, I was respected uh, and my view was respected and people accepted it. And even just days before um, I was expelled, Matthew Guy said, well, when it was raised with him uh, by, um, by journalists, uh, he said, well, that's Bernie's view. That's always been his view and, and that's the way it is. Uh, it is only over the weekend when he, he had uh, a, few, uh, a few of his own rat bags uh, in his ear. Um, that uh, that he that he changed his mind, but uh, look, I, I think it's sad that, uh, and as I said, on the steps after the expulsion, uh, you know, it's no longer the party of, of Howard and, um, and and Abbott and and, and Menzies. Uh, it's no longer the, the the party of Bolte and Kenneth. Um, you know, they, they no longer believe in freedom of speech, and you know, a, a liberal party that doesn't believe in freedom of speech. Uh, is not a Liberal Party at all. Mm. And uh, I don't know how anybody can actually support them these days. Yeah, and look, I would say a Liberal Party that doesn't believe in the rights of parents uh, is not a Liberal mm. Party mm. as well. And, you know, you and I were both uh, part of the Victorian election ca uh, campaign last uh, in the lead-up to last November's election. And uh, one thing that shocked me was that the Victorian Liberals, uh, under Matthew Guy and, and the party itself, supported Dan Andrews' so-called gay conversion therapy laws Yep. which have a provision yep. that, that jail any parent who tries to counsel their own child from going to a gender clinic to have puberty blockers or even surgery. Mm. Uh, why, why didn't any of the Liberals speak up? Even the Christians in the Liberal Party didn't speak up against this terrible policy. Well, I crossed the floor on that, um, as you'll call, mm. and uh, Bev MacArthur uh, indeed crossed the floor as well. Uh, and there were But most of them, of most of them voted for it. Yeah, the, most of them did, yeah. And there were a couple of others who expressed concerns in the party room. But the majority, the overwhelming majority, uh, went along with it. And I, I was stunned. I, I thought to myself, this is not the party that I joined. Uh, what, what, what is going on here? This is not something that, um, that, that a Liberal Party, uh, supposedly a Conservative Party, which we now know it is not, um, this is not, not, not the sort of, of thing that, that a party that, that you know, we... we have expected to stand up for high moral values over such a long period of time. This is not the sort of thing that the Liberal Party should be supporting, but unfortunately they did, and uh, uh, they lost a lot of respect at that time. And I think, um, you know, uh, again, it was uh, it was Matthew Guy. Uh, he wasn't leader at the time, but he was certainly agitating in the party room um, for us to support this. And uh, uh, it just it just mystifies me as to how anybody. Uh, who is concerned about families, about human rights, um, could support such legislation. Yeah, no, it's truly, truly shocking. Um, 
Why do you think, um, you know, we've talked a lot about social policy today, but um, it's, it's also economic policy that it seems like the Liberal Party have lost their way, and particularly this net zero um, mm-hmm. issue, you know, this irrational vandalisation of the electricity grid, which has pushed everyone's power bills up, fueling the inflation yep. and the cost of living crisis. Yes. Um, now, now, I know the federal Liberals under Peter Dutton are, are making some, some good noises about, you know, nuclear, that's fantastic. Mm. But at state level in New South Wales and Victoria, the state yep. Liberals are all on board with the net zero frolic, um, b- ripping up coal-fired power stations uh, before we mm. have replacements, putting in windmills mm. and uh, solar panel uh, farms everywhere. Um, what you know, you've been in the party for you know twenty five years or, or well, longer. 40, 41, in fact. Well, there, there you go, forty one. <laughs> um, over almost twenty five years as a parliamentarian. Mm. Um, how 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 does a party that is supposed to be economically uh, conservative go down this path? I think it's laziness, to tell you the truth. Uh, they are too lazy to actually argue um, uh, intellectually the, the argument. You know, they, they're not prepared to take up the arguments for anything uh, to, to go against the grain. You know, it's all too hard. You know, it's, we'll just go along with the government and uh, and, 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 and that'll be fine. Um, they're, they're happy to do that. I mean, I, I was appalled by that, I have to say, and uh, I know a lot of people, as I was going around campaigning last year, were also appalled by that, and I think it had a, a huge impact on the Liberal vote. Um, uh, the the, um, uh, yeah, the well, people who no, normally normally who would, would vote Liberal and, and just always did, a lot of them said we're not voting for them this time. Yeah, well, they lost uh, in a landslide, didn't they, Bernie? I mean, they did. Uh, you yeah. know, the sec- second landslide. In fact, mm. the, the, the 2018 landslide was bad. The landslide last year, believe it or not, was even worse. Mm. Uh, so where they're going, I, I think, uh, is, is to, a, is to a, a graveyard. I think, you know, political graveyard. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't see the Liberal Party surviving. Um, the, the only thing that might save them is if Peter Dutton wins the next election. Yeah. Um, if, he, if he doesn't, um, I, I can't see uh, uh, I can't see the Liberal Party surviving. But even he um, in Canberra uh, has a whole range of lefties um, in his party room. Uh, Simon Birmingham and and, right. uh, and Bragg and some of those others. Um, and and uh, you know he's got his own problems. You know. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I, I wish I wish sometimes that I was still in the Liberal Party to be able to support him. But I, I have to say that for the last twelve months of my membership of the, of the Liberal Party, um, I felt like I was a bit of a fraud mm-hmm. uh, because those people in that party room did not support the same things, did not believe in the same things that I believed in, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, I was uh, in a way relieved uh, when I didn't have to go into the party room anymore. Yeah. Uh, I was. I was actually. You know, it, my my wife will tell you. Um, uh, I used to get um, very agitated, very uh, very anxious uh, in the lead up to a sitting week, and uh, uh, that was purely because I didn't know what I was going to be expected to support um, from one week to the next. Uh, and uh, I can I can guarantee you, I wasn't going to. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I crossed the floor that last uh, that last year. Um, I, I abstained a couple of times um, because the party was so way off mm. um, what I what I uh, had expected it to be uh, and what it had been uh, for for years. 
um, I, I just couldn't go along with it at all. Yeah, well, this is, of course, uh, as I said earlier, this is why parties like Family First exist. Um, and, mm. um, you know, if, if, if we can do our job and bring politics back to uh, the centre again, that'll that'll be a good yeah, thing. That, but I don't think it's going to happen anytime great. soon. Bernie, your um, campaign for the Senate has started this week. Um, it has. Uh, why do you, and, and we don't know when the next election is going to be, although there's talk of perhaps a double dissolution election. The Prime Minister has flagged that. It might be sooner than we think. Why do you think, as mm. a Family First candidate, that you've got a chance of snatching a Senate seat in Victoria? Well, I think there is a spot up for grabs for, for a, a centre-right party. Last time we saw the UAP um, take that seat, uh, I think uh, Family First can take it. With a, with a strong campaign, uh, we can take it because we are actually talking about issues that affect families, where they live. Uh, and, th and that is so important because, um, as I said before, families are being ignored in this country at the yeah. moment. Uh, what we need is somebody in the Senate um, who has a very loud voice, um, who has a very clear voice, and will go into bat for families. Um, you know, there's nobody doing it. And, yeah. and that, I think, is is tragic. Um, we need you know, to, to see what's happening with the, with the um, well, the petrol prices are bad enough, but the, the electricity prices, you know, gas prices, if indeed we're still allowed to use gas, mm. um, I think I think it's an obscenity yeah. uh, because you've got to realise that with the, um, uh, the, the, the emissions um, that Australia... Uh, puts into the into the um, atmosphere one percent of the world. Yeah. Now you know we we could stop we could stop all of our emissions tomorrow. All yeah. of our emissions tomorrow. It would have absolutely no impact uh, on anything except uh, the the country's viability. Uh, and and you know it, it's it's insane what we're doing to ourselves. It, it is absolutely uh, insane. It, and uh, yeah. look, that's why voices like yours, which are going to speak up for the truth about children's gender, the rights mm. of the unborn, and yeah, and uh, the economy, and uh, getting electricity prices down, and housing affordable, cost of living under control. These are the issues mm. that the mainstream parties have abandoned. Bernie, unfortunately, that's all we've got time to time for today. But uh, it's just fantastic, again, to have you on board with Family First. And I'm sure our viewers and the people of Victoria will see a lot more of you uh, between now and the next election. Thanks so much, Bernie. They, they certainly will, Lyle. Good to talk to you. Well, joining me now for our weekly analysis on what's happened in the war on girls, women and children is Kiralee Smith, the spokesperson for Binary. Kiralee, the big news in the Senate last week was uh, One Nation's Pauline Hanson moving for a Senate inquiry into whether children are being rushed into sex change therapy in Australia. Why did Senator Hanson's motion for a simple Senate inquiry fail? Oh, look, the mind boggles, Lyle, that there would be so many Labor and Greens and a few independents and some Liberal Party coalition members that would vote against it. And you have to ask, is it because they don't like Pauline Hanson or is it because they want children to keep being experimented on with medications and therapies and uh, surgeries even that cause lifelong irreversible harm? It's, it's just unbelievable that they would uh, reject that motion. Who wouldn't want the best for our children? And the only way we're going to get the best for our children is to have a thorough, rigorous, uh, evidence-backed inquiry. Yeah, that, that's right. And, um, you know, Senator Hanson's motion calling for a Senate inquiry to shine a spotlight on these 
practices, which have been banned in places like Europe, um, like the UK, Finland, etc., have moved away from the East Sweden. Um, but um, the thing that really struck me about this, Kiralee, um, Peter Dutton's Senate leadership team, uh, led by Simon Birmingham, the, the leader of the Liberals in the Senate, actually voted against Senator Hanson's motion. Now, a lot, a lot of good Liberals and Nats crossed the floor to vote against their leadership. But, you know, what is Peter Dutton and his coalition leadership team thinking that they would oppose something like this? Uh, well, well, like I said, who knows? It, it is absolutely mind-boggling. It's disastrous. And a lot of children are now going to suffer or continue to suffer because politicians will not do their job yep. and get the proper medical and scientific inquiries uh, into these you know, off-label uses, um, experimental medicines, all of the things that are happening, all in the name of gender ideology. You've got to yeah. be joking. Yeah, no, you have to wonder why the official Liberal Party leadership is running a protection racket for these controversial child gender clinics that are experimenting on our children. Um, there, there will be a reckoning to this, and uh, I think what happened in the Senate last week was truly shocking. Um, Kiralee, um, despite um, calling Margaret Court, uh, the greatest living tennis player of all time, uh, a bigot for trying to, ha and, and trying to have her name taken from the Margaret Court Arena at the Melbourne Tennis Centre, Martina Navratilova is now pushing back on the LGBTIQA plus political agenda. What's caused her to suddenly be on the same side as people like you and me? Well, reality, biology, Lyle, is what's caused that. Is uh, She's a tennis great, there's no doubt about that. Um, and some of her politics are, you know, not on the same side of ours. But when it comes to males appropriating female stereotypes and now claiming to be women, insisting that we all call them women, and now, you know, a male tennis player winning tournaments in America, winning prizes, taking places from females, she's drawn the line and said enough is enough, men are not women, and women's sports should be for females only. So good on her, 100% support that view, and it's wonderful uh, to see some high-profile champions and athletes uh, taking up the cause and championing women because, you know, it doesn't affect them now but it does affect the girls who come be behind them and it's really important that these legends take their responsibility and their legacy seriously and defend women's sport and save women's sport and keep it for females only. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we had a photo of that male tennis player up on the screen. Good on Martina Navratilova. Maybe this will stop her calling for Margaret Court's name to be removed uh, now that, uh, that she realises that Margaret is right on so much of this uh, crazy political agenda. Um, now, there was some good news uh, in the past week in Texas, uh, with it uh, becoming the latest state to pass legislation to save women's sports. And I am proudly here today to recognize and thank Governor Greg Abbott for standing up for women and girls and signing the Save Women Sports Act. This is huge news, not only for Texans, but for girls across the country. This new law will pr protect the integrity of women's sports by prohibiting men from competing against female athletes. Now, that was Riley Gaines, who's testified before the US Congress and has been an a, a incessant campaigner. She's a, a US swimmer. 
Um, now, Kiralee, at last year's uh, election, the Liberals, through Senator Claire Chandler and, um, Senator, and uh, Catherine Deves, a candidate, they were calling for similar legislation to be passed and to be Liberal Party policy. But uh, Scott Morrison, the then Prime Minister, threw them both under the bus and said that the Liberals had no plans for the sort of bill that was just passed in Texas last week. Why can't we get this here? Misogyny. <laughs> That's the, I don't know. Like, why is it that these politicians think that they have a right to remove hard-fought and won women's spaces, services and sports from women? You know, men are not women. No one could ever uh, prove that a male has become female. They can't change their DNA. They can't change their skeletal structure. They have so many advantages that's why we have women's sports divisions in the first place. And yep. the Australian Sports Commission has issued guidelines that so many of our sporting bodies have adopted, which are, is, creates an unfair, unsafe playing field for women. So Australia, where's our Riley Gaines? I love that woman. I think she is absolutely outstanding. She's articulate successful and beautiful and that's what we need we need australian female athletes to stand up and draw that line in the sand and you know put people like scott morrison anthony albanese uh you know tanya plebisek and others and say why in 2023 do we even have to fight for women's sports and spaces but here we are it's exactly what we have to do yeah, Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese and Tanya Plibersek, as you say, and so many others in our parliament will find themselves on the wrong side of history. I'm not sure that Scott Morrison is a misogynist as, as much as probably a coward, I think. I think, it, you know, my analysis of what he did last year in throwing Claire Chandler and uh, Catherine Deeves, two brave women, they're as brave as Riley Gaines, but uh, Scott Morrison threw them under the bus because of political expediency and a lack of courage. Um, yet again, we are seeing, you know, women standing up for the rights of girls um, and women being uh, smeared as Nazis. Now, this happened to Moira Deeming, um, who remains expelled from the Liberal Party after being falsely smeared as a Nazi sympathiser. Tell us who the latest victim of, of this rush to call Nazi, Nazi, Nazi whenever a woman stands up for the rights of girls and women. Well, councillor, uh, Hobart City Councillor Louise Elliott made a tweet last week that said 88 days uh, since she was first issued with vilification complaint uh, for saying men should not be allowed in women's bathrooms. And uh, mind-boggling again, um, activists have taken up that and said that 88 is a Nazi symbol, therefore Louise Elliott is a Nazi sympathiser. It is extraordinary the lengths that they will go to to smear women who merely want to protect women and females, uh, spaces, services and sports. Again, it is a massive overreach. It's utterly ridiculous. I loved Louise's comeback where she said, what, should 87-year-olds now just skip to being 89-year-olds because 88 is somehow a Nazi sympathiser number? It is utterly ridiculous. Yeah, the, the radical left have no argument. Uh, they can't defend their crazy gender-fluid ideology because uh, they've gone along with the rainbow political movement and so they just have to reach for the Nazi slur, whether it's Moira or Louise Elliott. Um, it, it really is is crazy. So, look, keep up the good work, uh, Kiralee. As we say, there's always fresh news in this crazy space. That's why we talk to you. I know you're having a break next week, but we'll look forward to catching up with you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks so much for your time again, Kiralee. Thank you for having me, Lyle. 
Well, that's all we've got time for today. Don't forget Family First National Conference coming up on the 1st of September and the 2nd of September here in Sydney. Uh, there's a great range of speakers uh, headed by former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson. We've got Kiralee Smith, Bernie Finn, who was on the program today, Daniel Wilde from the IPA and many others. Uh, you can register at familyfirstparty.org.au. In the meantime, please follow me on Twitter. Keep up with what's going on during the week. Uh, I'm at Lyle Shelton on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and on Meta Threads. Remember to make ADH TV your go-to for Australia's leading conservative voices. Download the app uh, from the App Store today and keep up again with uh, the terrific conservative voices on this platform. Well, until next week, keep speaking up.